Welcome to Pastor Mike Drop Live in this year where together we are reading the whole Holy Bible, and I am so, so excited. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Emily. Hello. How are you, Emily? I'm great. How are you? Good. Welcome back. And uh, we have two other guests. Would you like to introduce Yes, them? pastors Amanda Neppel and Jeremy Johnson. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. having us. It's going to be fun. It's glad you're here. You know, this is the first time we've ever done this podcast live. <laughs> it might be the last time. <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully <laughs> it's not the last. <laughs> going to be great. Well, our last appearance. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we should confess right up front to say that we typically do this in one take would be dishonest. Yeah. Uh, it would not be true in the history mm -hmm. of this. But but I, I love the aspect of us doing this live. And um, because we're reading through the Bible live, we're living our lives mm -hmm. in, in, with mistakes and all and errors along the way. So mm -hmm. we'll do our best. Yeah. Um, and we also embrace fully... Uh, this responsibility we really have as a church to do everything we can, not just to tell you to read the Bible, not just to encourage you. You know, our theme this year is read it, learn it, and live it. We we want people to to read it for sure, but we also want them to learn, and that's part of what this podcast is about so that they can live it out. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm glad you're all here. Happy New glad Year. Glad we're here, too. yeah. It's going to be really fun. Yep. Yep. And welcome again to everybody tuning in. We're so glad you're here. The enthusiasm for this theme is off the charts. It, yeah. It's been incredible. I'm sure you guys have noticed that too. I mean, I even noticed in, in our staff meeting yesterday how many people, I mean, obviously our staff yeah. is always immersed in God's word and stuff, but the fact that everybody is reading it together, yeah. like we're reading yeah. the same things at the same time, yeah. and that's been, that's just been really special. For and sure. people that you run, run across at the grocery store, at mm -hmm. practices, yep. that's been, that's been powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. to, to, to think about thousands of people all reading the same text from God's Word together on the same days. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you're new to this, you don't know what we're talking about. As I said, we're reading through the whole Holy Bible in a year. Uh, we've got uh, on our website, lutheranchurchofhope.org, you can uh, find the daily Bible readings. You can follow us on social media platforms. We'll point you to them. You can get, I'm getting daily emails telling me, mm -hmm. here's your reading for the day. So you can start your morning that way. A lot, a lot of people start by grabbing their phone first thing in the morning. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what, a, what better thing to do first thing in the morning than to get into God's Word yep. and to dive in? Uh, if you're an evening person, you can do it in the evening. Anytime during the day is fine. Um, but we want to read it. We want to learn it. We want to live it. And with that, let's just get right into it. Let's we got Let's go. We're, we're not here just to chit-chat. Right. <laughs> we could. We could. We There's nothing wrong with that. that. But mm -hmm. we want to we dive in, and we want to dive in deep. Uh, to to our readings and our readings this first week, Emily mm -hmm. are robust. Yeah. So Emily has some questions for us as she is wont to do. She she <laughs> tends to have a lot of good questions for us. Uh, and let's just get right into it. Let's mm -hmm. start with with three big questions. We'll see where that takes us. And again, okay. welcome everybody. Get your Bibles out if you can, or yeah. just listen in, and uh, we will point you to to some really fascinating insights into what we've been reading. So mm -hmm. let's start with those those questions with a little bit of help okay, from Ted so, Lasso. Uh, hey. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Let's do it. The first one, what surprised you or stood out, if anything, this week as you read through the opening chapters of Matthew's gospel? Yeah. Who should go first? Take it. Okay. All right. Uh, one of the things that I loved about 
the readings this week, and I'm kind of cheating a little bit because I'm also drawing on some of the Old Testament readings, uh, but one of the things I loved was if you look at Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 21, uh, you'll see where the angel comes to Joseph and says, uh, you, uh, she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus, for see, he will save his people from their sins. And then if you have been doing the Genesis readings, even by where we are just so far this week, you've seen how desperately we need, human beings need mm. someone to save us from our sins. And so you really kind of were able to get a uh, uh, introduction to the entire big picture of the Bible uh, by just reading just even just the first day readings of those passages. So I, I was really struck by that. That stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a real strong connection there, isn't Absolutely. there? Between, mm-hmm. And it, more specifically, what do you mean by the part in the Old Testament we've been reading that shows <laughs> yeah. we need a Savior? Just, <laughs> okay. just to state the obvious so that right, we can see, right. okay, so we need a Savior. Why do we need a Savior? Right. Well, so on the very uh, first day that we dug into the Old Testament readings, our reading uh, included the fall mm-hmm. that day, where the very you know first chance that people got to kind of make their own decisions, they chose to do what they wanted to do instead of what God had commanded them to do. Um, they did what seemed right in their own eyes, and we're going to see that play out again and again and again. Uh, and so, yeah, so when sin entered the world, from that moment forward, we needed somebody to save us from it, because left to our own devices, we absolutely can't do that it ourselves. It was the very first chance they had, wasn't it? Yeah. Basically, right. And they yeah. messed it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, one of the classes that we all had to take required when I was in seminary, this is a generation ago, but Back then, it was called uh, redemption and the fall. Oh, that's mm-hmm. kind of the reverse. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the idea was the whole of Scripture really revolves around the story of we have a Savior, but it's not just, okay, Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, and that's just the, something that happened in a vacuum mm-hmm. that really has no significance other than it shows, wow, Jesus is really cool, mm-hmm. um, and he did this great thing by sacrificing mm-hmm. himself for others. He died this innocent death. Uh, in some obscure way, some people think, so that I guess we could live, but they don't see the connection. Well, the connection is right in front of us in this first week of readings. The fall describes why we, the the problem, the problem with our world is sin. Sin causes the wars, sin causes the violence, sin causes the division, sin sin causes the broken families, sin sin causes Mm -hmm. all the darkness. Mm -hmm. And because we have that sin, we, we need a savior. We need a champion. We need a hero to come and save us from that sin. And so, right, Amanda, verse 21 of our first chapter mm-hmm. in Matthew, she's going to have a son. You're to name him Jesus, and he'll save his people from their sins. Man, that gives me goosebumps when mm-hmm. I start to think about it. That's exactly what not just I need as a reader of Scripture, the mm-hmm. whole world needs. Mm-hmm. And, and you think about it, every one of every one of those stories, people were trying to do the best they could. Yes, and it, exactly. so it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to go exactly. r- ruin the world. Mm-hmm. It right. was yes. people left to their own devices ended up falling. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that, boy, that connects with our lives yeah. all the time. And if you, I think, if you want a one-sentence description of the entire book of Matthew, you want a one-sentence description of the entire book, the entire Gospels, he's here to save us from our sins. Yes. Yes. That's the thesis statement yeah. right here that mm-hmm. Matthew's laying out. Just right at the beginning. Well, and if, if people are doing the Old Testament readings too and reading about the fall, you start to realize pretty quickly, I'm reading about Adam and Eve, <laughs> but in the Hebrew, Adam means mankind, mm-hmm. Eve means of mankind. So you're reading, if you're reading, reading the original text, you're reading about mankind, exactly. you're humankind. You're exactly. reading about men and women, mm-hmm. meaning it's inclusive of all of us. Mm-hmm. And so you say, it's not like we're trying to do right. the wrong thing, but it is our condition. Mm-hmm. Th- this is who we are. And one of the great things about Christianity and Scripture is it's just so honest. Yeah. We don't have to fake it. We don't have to pretend 
like so many other, um, you know, and I respect spiritualities and, and major world religions that talk about, well, here's what you need to do in order to achieve your spiritual goals. It's really all about us. It's what we have to do. The great thing about Christianity, and it hits us right from the start, book of Genesis, first few chapters, gospel of Matthew, first few chapters, you've got a problem, <laughs> world. Yeah. You're, you're upside yeah. down, and here comes the Savior to turn it right side up. So there's an inclusivity to sin. None of us are good enough to graduate from it, which, which is humbling. It's, yeah. a, it, it's a humbling kind of equalizer. Mm -hmm. But then there's this wonderful gospel. Gospel means good news. And you hit the verse. Here comes the good news, uh, Pastor Amanda, that here comes Jesus. Here comes the Savior. Because, and his name literally means the one who saves us from our sins. That's, mm -hmm. that's powerful stuff. Yeah. There's nothing more important right. that we're going to read along the way, and it all kind of points to that. Our Old Testament, one of my Old Testament professors in seminary, he said, appropriately so, we divide Scripture into Old Testament, New Testament. He said, but we can also divide it a different way. And it's the way it was intended to be. And then you hit the fall. Mm -hmm. And then what, what God's response is from that. And his response is made mm -hmm. known, in, and he will be the one who will save you from your sins. And so you yeah. see this, this cycle that kind of just plays out that starts from the beginning and God's pursuit to get us back, which is what all scripture points to. Yeah. yeah. So that's really good. What, what stood out for you, Jeremy? So we were reading as a family last night and we got to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And then right before that is when Jesus is, is tempted in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And so um, we were talking about it as a family. And one of the things that it talks about is when Jesus is in the desert and he's being tempted and you know, the, the, the devil says, you know, you can turn these stones to bread. And Jesus says, well, well, humans don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Mm -hmm. And I remember my, my New Testament uh, Greek professor, Dr. Boyce was his name, and he was just genius. And he said, there's a pause you need to make in so many places in the New Testament when you come to a present tense verb. And present tense for us means that that's what's happening right now. And he said, well, this present tense is the imperative present tense, which it means continual motion. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we would translate these passages that had the present tense imperative, he would say that comes and it comes and it comes and it comes. And so man does not live by bread alone, but by the continual living active word of God that comes mm -hmm. to us every single moment. And you think about how many times any of us, anybody who's watching has been in a a worship service, and you're like, this music has hit me right where I am, or this sermon has hit mm -hmm. me right where I am. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not what anybody's doing in a clever way. No. It's the every word that continually yeah. comes from the mouth of God from the beginning of when God began to speak that intersects with our lives here, right here and right now. And to me, that passage hits me every single time. I love that passage. I love that. It yeah. falls fresh. It's, it's, it's mm -hmm. new. It's a living word, as you said. I hope... Um, as you start this reading, you'll, you'll start to experience that. It's very likely you already have. Mm -hmm. Even for those of you, those of us who've read Scripture multiple times before, it falls fresh. It, mm -hmm. it, it hits us new, which I wonder if it, that isn't at the heart of your question. You know, what, what yeah. stood out? What jumps off right, the page? Yeah. Every time I read Scripture, if my, if my head and heart and soul are in the right kind of place mm -hmm. and I'm not too distracted... Um, it falls fresh. It, 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 it hits me new or something new jumps off the page. Like it, you mentioned music as an example. You can hear the same song over and over. And you're like, I never noticed that before. Yeah. You know, that, that's really cool. I, now, now that song is even richer for me. It's even deeper for me. So it is with God's word, even more so with God's word. The, the wor yeah. worship music that we do, it's based yeah. on God's word. And so it hits yeah. us. It, 
And yeah. and then the fact that it's this imperative, as you said, yeah. in the original Greek, which means it just keeps coming after yeah. us. Keeps it's coming. like that light from Christmas that breaks through mm-hmm. the darkness, of the light that is Jesus Christ. It just keeps pursuing us. It's that peri lamp. It, it moves in every direction. Uh, and it comes for us where no matter how dark things might feel for us today, the light breaks through and it is it's going to win. The light right. is going to win. Every this time. is the gospel. This is the good news. Yeah. Okay, next question. I've got, I've yeah. got oh, one. Do you want I've, one? I just say, man, I, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Okay, I was hoping you'd you ask. Okay. So the thing that jumped off the page for me, the thing that surprised me the most is that number 14. And I preached about yeah. it for those who are part of our Hope community, uh, Lutheran Church of Hope. You might have already heard me talk about that. But I, want, I said, even in that sermon, I hinted I'd like to take that a little deeper. Maybe mm-hmm. we can get there in the podcast. We this almost We almost did <laughs> that and I thought, okay, I'm paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe it's just, you know, I started college as a math major. I love numbers, but so does the Bible. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible almost never has a number out there that's just insignificant. You know, they're, they're, it means something. Uh, and this number 14 in Matthew chapter 1, verse 17. So the first 16 verses, there's this long list of the generations that lead from Abraham to Jesus and to his birth. And Matthew, as I said in the message this weekend, is trying to connect the dots. He's a tax collector. He wants his ledger to balance. So he's trying to connect the dots between Old Covenant, New Covenant, Old Testament, New Testament. And so he's saying for his primary audience, which are devout Jews who don't think they need a Messiah, that they don't need Jesus. They know that they have a Messiah coming but they don't understand Jesus is it. Matthew's connecting the dots for them to say Jesus is it. He's, he's the one. But it gets even bigger because who, who does Matthew emphasize in this list? Abraham, the, mm-hmm. the, the one God made the covenant with and said, you'll be the father of my people, my nation, Israel. Uh, David, mm-hmm. the great heroic king in the history of Israel. Then there's, so there's three people in an event. The event is the Babylonian exile. Uh, 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile, which is darkness. Uh, Then 14 generations from the Babylonian exile to Jesus. Here's where biblical scholars just have a field day. Some say, yeah, okay, so 14 is a double blessing because seven's a number of perfection. And so there's six sevens, not just three fourteens, but there's six sevens. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus is the seventh seven, which biblically in the Old Testament just, (laughs) and that's just huge. It's like, It's, it's the perfect, perfect. It, he's mm-hmm. the one who makes right everything that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so if you, even if you don't get it in the words I'm saying, add up the numbers, Matthew's saying. He's the perfect salvation for the sins of the whole world. He's the seventh seven. But it gets even better than that. Because every Hebrew name in the Old Testament has a numerical value to it. So you take King David's name and you do the numerical value on David in the Hebrew, it's 14. And so there's Matthew knows his readers are going to know that. Mm -hmm. And so he's using the number 14 in the generations for theological and spiritual purposes. A part of it lines up with first Chronicles, a part of it doesn't, but that's not Matthew's point. Matthew's connecting the dots between old and new covenant. And so he's saying 14, 14, 14. So we go from Abraham, things are going good, but then things fall until you get down to David. So they go from light of Abraham, hope down to the darkness. Then David rises up and light shines again. 14 more generations, and you get down to the darkness of the Babylonian exile. And now Matthew's saying, watch what God's going to do with that darkness, because from there to Jesus, the light of the world comes, and boom, everything changes. So 
Jesus comes, and Matthew's going to say this as the wise men come to worship him in Matthew 2. Jesus comes as the king of all kings. David was the great king, and Matthew's saying, Jesus is better. He's, he's, he's a king of David, and David even said it, Matthew will say later. Uh, Abraham's the father of, of all of us. Jesus is even more. Uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of everything you've been looking for. He's not a prophet. He's not a king. He's better. Uh, I just love that. I love yeah. the way the numbers put an exclamation point around that so that even if you miss the words and you're just paying attention to the numbers like any Hebrew Jewish reader would in Jesus' day, reading Matthew's gospel for the first time, they'd be like, I got to pay attention to these numbers. And then you start to put it together. Oh, seven sevens and David's name is 14, but here comes an even better 14. It's Jesus. I, can I just want to add one yeah. thing to that? <clears throat> even as Matthew's doing that, uh, and he's building this case. I mean, Matthew doesn't use legal language, but he's presenting evidence, right. you know, all throughout. All Rather throughout. persuasive. Absolutely. <laughs> and even as he does that, though, when we look at the genealogy and we look at some of the names that are included in that, not only is he saying, duh, it's right in front of you, it's right here, but also at the same time, he's challenging people because he's including the names of some of these women who are outside of the norm. So even while he's saying it's right in front of your face, he's yeah. also saying it's also different than what you thought. Yes, that's yes. And if I, if I had more time, I would go into that for an hour. We're out here but this is too fun because because Matthew also picks up on the unexpected nature of yes. Jesus as the Messiah. He's everything that you thought the Messiah would be, but he's more. You thought he'd be a King David. He's more. You thought he'd be a new father of a new nation like Abraham. He's more um, because he isn't here just to take on the the national enemies of Israel. And Christianity gets reduced to that sometimes still mm -hmm. to this day. Well, the whole point of Christianity is for national purposes mm -hmm. or, or for political purposes. It, it's so much more than so that, much more. so much deeper than that, so much bigger than that. This is the, this is the light that heals everything that is sick, uh, that is wrong. That's who Jesus is. And so Matthew says, you've been waiting for a Messiah. Let me tell you an even better story. And he knew, he knew it as as much more than anyone else, not just because he was one of the people that was around him, but he was the one that was on the outside. Yeah. I mean, he just as a, as yeah. a person, yeah. he, yeah. he was the most, I mean, fishermen. He wasn't exactly fully welcomed into the no, club. Right. Like yeah. fishermen, right. unlikely, Matthew despised. Mm -hmm. And so Matthew's yeah. including yeah, these. Right. And, and they despised him. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, they, and they thought he was worthless because of what yeah. he'd done. Yeah. Fascinating. A reminder that outsiders are still welcome in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> yep. And maybe that's you. Okay, next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that first one was it, the one we really wanted to, to lead into. It was worth the extra. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two to go. Hang in there. Okay, why did Jesus get baptized if he's without sin? And why did the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil in Matthew 4, 1, before he started his ministry? You start this time. Yeah. Right. yeah. So a couple things. Uh, one is Matthew's connecting the dots, uh, and so mm -hmm. he's telling the story. And there, is, there are all these prophecies that talk about who Jesus is, what he's going to be. And in, in uh, Isaiah 42, Isaiah says, Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one, and I am pleased with him. Hmm. I have put my spirit upon him, and he'll reveal justice to the nations. He will be gentle. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush those who are weak or quench the, uh, the smallest hope. He will bring full justice to all who have been wronged. So... In this baptism of Jesus and that spirit descends on Jesus in, in the form of a dove is the, the, 
the reenactment of this prophecy that God had for his people. Mm-hmm. And so people who are hearing this, people who are seeing this, their jaws are on the floor and they have to pick them up because they, they can't now miss what's happening. Right. All of these things. They, th- we have to realize that there's a context to which all of this stuff is happening. And so we'll read later in the New Testament that God sent Jesus at just the right time, mm-hmm. that there are people who had been waiting for this time and now all of these dots are being connected. And there's just so much to this that's so rich, that's so powerful, that speaks so directly to who we are and to, to what God... This isn't an accident. It's just so purposeful. So that announcement's a fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah 42. The baptism isn't just a baptism. It's also a declaration. Yep. The, the, the Father in heaven says, this Jesus, the heavens open, which is also symbolically rich, right? Heaven is opening for you, uh, and it's opening for you through this one right here. This, this is going to sound really weird, but it just occurred to me. I, I wasn't thinking about this before the podcast, but as you were saying that, in, you know, the announcement is made, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, God says about Jesus. When you go, when, when in ancient times, as royalty is introduced, and, and they're introduced, so you don't just show up in an event, here, you know, announcing, here comes the, the queen or the king, and, and so you make a big deal out of it. Even today, you say, well, I can't relate to that. We don't have royal families in America. But we do know how this goes. You go to a college basketball game. What do you do before the game starts? You introduce the players. And, mm-hmm. and, if, and if you go to an NBA game in Chicago where I grew up, back in Michael Jordan's you know, the pinnacle of, of his career, they'd make such a big deal out of Jordan being the last guy introduced. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, you know, from North Carolina, saying six foot six, that it, my God, it, the greatest, the GOAT, the greatest player of all time. And here he is, and the place would just go nuts. Even if the game didn't go well, the introduction was cool. There's an introduction going on here. Jesus had to be baptized so that, and there's thousands of people, because John the Baptist is, has drawn a crowd. And there's thousands of people who then get to, get to that introduction, get to hear Jesus introduced as, as again, the king of all kings. You think, you think it's a big deal when a king gets introduced. Well, <laughs> this is the voice of God from heaven. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Well, and that brings about a, a moment of the Trinity as well, because voice of God, spirit descends, all right Jesus there. as a human. So there, boom, there it is. Yeah. And, and then that connects to the beginning of Genesis. And then we'll hear about in John's gospel, like, Turns out the Trinity is in the Bible. It's all Turns over out. it. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. Okay, my turn. Please do. Okay. Go. Um, so, <laughs> this relationship between Jesus and John—I don't know why, but this fascinates me. me like, I cannot wait to find. I just. I think that's going to be awesome to sit at the feet of John and just be like, tell me everything. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I, I'm fascinated by that relationship. Plus, his wardrobe choices. We're absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, John is in uh, these verses, he's saying, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who's greater than I am, so much greater I'm not even worthy to even be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit uh, and with fire. And you read before that when John's kind of going after those who are coming for baptism, but John is convinced they aren't really wanting to repent, and he's got some pretty harsh words for them. And John is almost saying to the crowd, wait until your dad gets home. You know what I mean? Like, wait until your dad shows up, and then he's going to take care of this, and y'all are going to be sorry, right? And then Jesus comes up on the scene, and Jesus says, I need you to baptize me. 
And nobody is more shocked than John. Right. Mm-hmm. Tries to talk him out of it yeah. and says, are you kidding? You know, he said, um, yeah, he, it says John tried to talk him out of it. Verse right 14 there, right? of Matthew Absolutely. 3. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Jesus is coming in and instead of identifying as the one who's going to, I mean, he is going to do this, but instead of identifying as the one with power, who's going to clean house, who's going to uh, do all of these things that John wants Jesus to do right off the bat, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to do things the way you think I'm going to do them, right. the way you maybe even want me to do them. And also Jesus is saying, all these people who are lost, I'm going to identify with them. And I'm going to assume the role that they are assuming, and I'm going to identify with those who need to be baptized. So Jesus humbles himself uh, to be baptized by John. And it's when you think about it, it can almost it can all, I, I, it can almost choke you up when you think about how Jesus yes. um, put himself in that place of weakness, which is what Jesus is going to do ultimately when he goes mm-hmm. to the cross. Right. And so I think. Um, the second part of that question was, why did Jesus go into the wilderness to be tempted? When we think about Jesus, it's so tempting for us, I believe, and easier for us to emphasize how Jesus was fully God. And that's really important because we, we want to keep that in mind um, always. But then when we do that, we kind of then lessen Jesus' humanity when mm-hmm. we do that. And the truth of the matter is, and I, you know, this is, I know this is going to maybe question, some people are going to question this, but if Jesus didn't face real temptation. And he did. He absolutely did. If it wasn't real for him, then he wasn't really identifying with us. And so we need Jesus to know what temptation is. Mm -hmm. We need Jesus to know how to call on his heavenly father to find the strength to resist that temptation. We need Jesus to be able to do those things if Jesus is going to truly identify with us and be our savior. And he wasn't just going through the motions. A hundred percent. You know, like it was real. Real fasting, real temptation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thinking about Jesus as as God is obviously important for us as Christians. Mm-hmm. But as you said, Amanda, thinking about Jesus as human and really going through those things, he really had to be tempted. He really had to suffer. He really had to die. Uh, he 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 experienced everything we all experience as human beings mm-hmm. living in this fallen world. But you said another word there that I think is so fascinating and important and worth worth putting an even bigger highlighter on it's humility that Jesus humbled himself. It reminds me of the way Paul comments on this later in Philippians two, mm-hmm. that even though he was equal to God, so he is God in yes. the flesh in yes. human form, even though he is a part of this mysterious and glorious and wonderful thing called the Trinity, that's this one God who, who comes to us as three persons, even though he is God, John one, will tell us, you know, that he is God, was God, mm-hmm. um, and is full of grace and truth. But in Philippians 2, even though he was God, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but instead he humbled himself, even to the point of death, to experience for real, like in a very human way, what, what it's like to suffer, to be tortured even, mm-hmm. and to die this most excruciatingly painful death on a cross. Talk about living a hu- fully human life, not just the joys and the, and the mountaintops, mm-hmm. but the deepest, darkest valleys of the shadow of death. And with that humility, it also makes me think, you know, you pointed out so well the verse in, Amanda, Matthew three fourteen, where John's confused. <laughs> I'm the one who should be baptized by you, John, the Baptist, says to Jesus, how, how is it that you're coming to me? And Jesus has this 
brilliant as always Jesus response. <laughs> it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. But as you said, it was both of you said, what, what is John preaching? He's preaching repentance. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, pretty blunt. Boldly. Yeah. I mean, he's putting it out mm-hmm. there. He's saying this world is completely messed up. Matthew even points out that, that John goes after him and says, don't just say, this is verse 9 of Matthew 3, don't just say we're safe for we're descendants of Abraham. Your heritage means nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are fighting words. Wow. <laughs> no coattails. Yeah. Yeah, you can't write in on the John just yeah. didn't care. Yeah. Nope. He was just going to put the truth out there. Right? <laughs> yeah. you, who, you think you're righteous before mm-hmm. a holy God because you're descendants of Abraham. Yeah. Nope. That's that. It means nothing. Matthew's making sure we yep. hear that, and mm-hmm. Matthew's the only one that includes John saying, "I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me." Humility and repentance. That repentance is a part of why Jesus had to be baptized. Because repentance, people misunderstand that word. Mm-hmm. They 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 typically think of a just a moral change, like I used to do this, now I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's deeper than that. It is that, but it's deeper than that. It's changing our whole thinking process. It change, it's changing the way we uh, uh, see things, feel about things, understand things, and that includes our attitudes, like what we're going to live for. So re- being baptized isn't just washing away sins. Jesus had no sins to wash right. away. That's why John's confused. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible says later he's perfect. But he did get baptized because he was fully committed to the cause that that his heavenly father sent him into the world to fulfill. And so he's being, baptism is also that it's us, it's us being committed to, to, to the Christian cause, to being joined to this thing that God has created us to be and to do. And, you know, I was also thinking, Amanda, while you're talking about that, look at what Jesus is demonstrating. He's saying to John, Hey, you're a part of this too. (laughs) <laughs> right. I, I've come, I mean, John, yeah. you know, John points him out, behold the Lamb of God, we're going to read that in John, John's gospel, but Jesus is saying, yeah, but you get to have a part of that. And I, I wonder how much John's life was just changed by that. Like, I get to be a yeah. part of what God's doing, mm-hmm. and now to take a look at it from our own lives today, yeah. Jesus is saying to us, like, hey, no, you're a part of, mm-hmm. I, I don't need you, right. but I want mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I have a voice mm-hmm. that's going to call tell you how pleased I am of you to partner in what 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 God what what God's doing in this world. It's yeah. it's it's humbling to be a part of yeah. that. Yeah. So Jesus is completely surrendering himself to to this mission that he has been given to fulfill. And when we get baptized, we're also invited into that same the, the difference of course is we aren't the savior, but we are in baptism. What happens? What does Romans say? We have been joined to the death and resurrection yes. through mm-hmm. baptism. Mm-hmm. And this weekend at Hope, we're doing open baptisms. It'll, it'll be this, as we read through this text in a deeper way, there'll be an invitation at the end of all of our sermons and all of our services for anybody who wants to be baptized to come. It's a John the Baptist moment, right? Mm-hmm. It's a Jordan River kind of, of invitation and opportunity so that we can be baptized into this, this act of salvation that Jesus Christ lived for and died for and rose from the dead for and carried out faithfully and and righteously um, with righteousness. To be joined to that, that's not just water over over our head in some religious ritual. We're being joined to the whole point for which we've been created. Baptism's a really cool thing. That's a good word. Yeah. Next question. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says we must be perfect and that we can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. How can we have any real hope for living in God's kingdom if that is true? 
Who's got it? Well, go, go ahead and kick it off, Amanda. Left to us, we can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Left to us, we can't. Uh, that's kind of the point of what Jesus is making there. Um, that uh, we'll never... He's just gotten through here in, in Matthew chapter 5, raising the bar on everything that people cared about, on uh, murder and adultery and lust and anger and all of those different types of things. And he's made it perfectly clear. Um, n- yeah, and you're going to struggle with You're not going to be able to do that. And he will be a savior and you are to name him Jesus. Yeah, amen. You know, like, yes. so this whole thing yes. is let's yes. go back and remind ourselves mm-hmm. why he came. Because you're, you're called to be perfect and it's because of Jesus and his righteousness, and his love, and his grace, and his mm-hmm. salvation, that we get to, to enter into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we just get to do whatever we want, but it means that we've been called to something more, and through Jesus, we get to be a part of that something more. Yeah. You know, it strikes me, the Sermon on the Mount does two things in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, which we're going to be reading through the rest of this week. And this is to oversimplify it, just to make a deeper point. Number one, it raises the moral bar. I mean, Jesus is saying, again, and Matthew can't help but want to emphasize this and connect the dots. You think you're righteous because you have developed and adopted a teaching that is a very convenient and comfortable interpretation Mm -hmm. of God's law so that you can sneak around the corners, find the loopholes, try to get through things. And, And the hypocrisy of that is not of God. And so when God shows up in human form as Jesus Christ... He preaches in this Sermon on the Mount, this most famous sermon in all the Bible, and he says things like, you've heard it said, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for for a tooth, but I say turn the other cheek. You've heard it said that someone who commits adultery is guilty uh, of that sin, but I say even if you have lust in your eye, you're guilty of that. He's really raising the... He's saying, you've made it too easy, God's law, and I'm raising the bar. It's actually way harder than you have made it for the world. And so instead of, which is still a huge temptation for us today as Christians, instead of lowering the bar of sin and morality and saying, hey, it's an easy step over, you're, what you're doing isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing, what you all are doing, what anybody listening to us right now is doing is sin. It, it, we all do it. We, it's, just, it's just impossible to escape. So number one, the Sermon on the Mount says, actually, it's harder than you think, not easier than you think. Instead of lowering the bar, Jesus comes to raise the bar. But that leads to the second thing. He sets the bar so high that any reader was gonna, is going to realize that the only way we can find righteousness is by grace. And, the o- and it's going to be through him. The mm-hmm. only way that any of us have any real hope. So it gets back to the real world. Like you were kind of, Jesus is really human. He really felt these mm-hmm. things. He's also really telling us the truth about how desperate we all are for his grace to be amazing. We can't keep faking it. We can't turn religion into this moral kind of competition where, well, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm going to get into heaven because I'm a really, I, look at all these, look at my resume. Look at all these nice things I've done. I, I'm not like, you know, a mass murderer. I'm not a horrible mm-hmm. person. So that's my hope for salvation. Jesus is saying, good luck with that. Um, you, you think you stand righteous before a holy God because you've lived a good life? You don't. And I'm going to make that very clear in the Sermon on the Mount. But I'm also going to continue to introduce the hope you have of God's amazing grace through being joined to me so that what happens to me happens to you. I die. All of that sin that you all have, that I have, is put to death. And by my resurrection, you're raised up to a new and an everlasting life. And he doesn't just raise it just so we'll need a savior. Nobody's saying that. 
Yep. But he's also right. raising it because it's better for us. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes yes. we hear what God has to say and we're mm-hmm. like, well, that be, that's because God's angry yeah. and God wants to see us screw up and he's mm-hmm. kind of like an angry parent. But it's no, God is saying, you know what? There's a whole lot of things that you're going to trip on. You're going to skin your knee on those things. Mm-hmm. And it really hurts me to see you hurt. Yeah. So I want, I, want, I want it to be better for you. So here's the way I'm going to raise the bar. Live by that, and I got you covered when, when you fall short, because you're going to fall short. Yeah, it, when Jesus, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, when Jesus says the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult, yeah. that's what he's saying, yeah. right? Uh, <clears throat> that... I, I want better for you. I want life for you. I want life for you this side of heaven. Yep. Uh, and so, yes. <laughs> and the, the wide road sometimes is our religion, it, you know, be, that, sure that makes be. us feel more comfortable than we actually mm-hmm. should left to our own. If, if my hope for salvation depends on me, yikes. yikes. If my hope yeah. for salvation depends on Jesus Christ, and that's what the gospel's pointing us to. I've got really good news for you. You can know that you know that you're saved. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with how good you've been doing. It, it, even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, sometimes your religious rituals are just for show, if you're really going to be honest. You're, you're praying so people notice you praying. You're, 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 you're wearing your clergy robes, your whole thing. You're, you're putting on a show. You're fasting. And, oh, look at me. I'm fasting. I'm giving all this stuff up for Lent. Oh, look at me. I'm so religious. And he's saying, yeah, that's not going to do it because I know your heart. And the good news is, is we know the heart of Jesus Christ too. And that, and that Jesus comes to make all things new for us and to give us hope through his amazing grace. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it is. We got any more? <laughs> well, I think we can roll to our deeper dive. All right, let's do it. Okay. Our deeper dive is what's the point of reading the Bible from start to finish? Isn't it enough just to believe in Jesus? Yeah, I had somebody I had somebody ask me about that. I said, "Well, I already believe in Jesus, so why do I need to read the Bible?" Mm-hmm. And I guess it's what would you say to that? We we say it around hope a lot. I think we've all heard it, but how do you know what God's going to do if you don't know what God has done? How do you know what God's going to say if you don't know what God said? And there's this really interesting thing about uh, throughout the Old Testament, you'll hear the the word future used. So I have the plans I have for you, a future filled with hope, Jeremiah hmm. 29.11. And future wasn't based on what we hope the activity will be in, the, in, in some space out beyond, but future was based on the activity of God in the past. And so reading the Bible reminds us not just of learning a guidebook on how to live our lives, it helps us to know the character and the nature of a God who always comes through every single time. Mm never left, left us in a lurch, never left us in a place where we had no hope. So we, we, we were formed by that to know a God who pursues us hmm. continually every moment, not just of our lives, but every moment of every... This is what makes me like... like It causes me to be without words is this isn't just for me. It's not just for you. It's not just for any of us. Mm-hmm. It's not just for people who are reading it right now. Mm-hmm. That promise of God's activity is for every human being that has ever lived, whether they want it or not, mm-hmm. accepted it or not. Or, and so that's the invitation that we encounter is God's love, and that's why doing it together, we get to share that with the world around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said that so well, Jeremy, so I'll just add a really silly example for that you could go to uh you could go to mexico you could go to an all-inclusive resort and you could stay in your hotel room Mm -hmm. 
And you could still come back and say, I went to Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) But you didn't go to the beach. You didn't go to the pool. You didn't take advantage of all of the all-inclusive restaurants that are already Mm -hmm. there, right? Yeah, you went to Mexico. You just missed some of the best parts. Mm. I like how you said it better. (laughs) (laughs) I like the way you both said we're better together, right? Uh, I I think that is such a great example. Um, it's, it's one thing to be there. It's another thing to experience it. And I guess the, the real honest response to the part of the question that says, isn't it enough just to believe in Jesus? Mm-hmm. Well, yes. If, if, if what you're talking about is salvation, if what you're talking about is the opportunity for new and everlasting life, do you need to know every verse of scripture in order to receive that? No, you do not. So I don't want to, I don't want to set that up the wrong way, but what a, what a tragedy to go on vacation and just stay in your room the whole time, you know, to, to miss out on everything that God has to offer. The last thing I guess I would add to that is, is we, is you referred to before the Bible being a love letter to us. It's God telling us that he loves us. It's something about love letters. You know, if, if my wife is written me letters, if, if I read those over and over again, it's going to strengthen our relationship, strengthening our relationship with God, especially in a world that is this dark, that is wandering like it is, um, that is in despair in so many ways, that is searching for real hope, that is looking for something that's going to last. Being told again and again that we have a source of our hope that's, that's worthwhile, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's substantial, that is going to be as deep as we need it to be for us and as readily available as we need it to be for us. There's just nothing more important. I, I can I can't imagine than us being able to explore the space, so to speak, mm-hmm. of of that intersection between God's love for us and our daily lives in this fallen world. So for for Christmas, my wife uh, got my daughter Jade and I a present to share with one another. Now I'm not a journaler. I'm not. A, that's not my thing. And, but this journal is one where Jade will write something to a question, response to a question, and then she puts it into my hands or she leaves it in our bedroom and then I get to read what she wrote and then I get a similar question about her. She writes about me, I write about her and we go back and forth. And so I'm like, the beginning of the year, I'm like, oh, great, this will be fun. And it's been... Nice, Dad. (laughs) But it's being honest because I think we we, we treat the Bible that way sometimes. Amen. And so when I'm reading last night what my daughter had to say about me it it allowed me to see myself mm. outside of the mistakes that I've made. That's so powerful. And I, it's been like, mm. I'm like crying in bed every night. So I'm like, ah, I'm not a terrible dad. I'm okay. You know, like, but but then you can get help for that, right? I know. Yeah. But then I, but here's the thing that's been even more powerful for me is I get to tell her who I think she is. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. that, you know, w- what do you love the most about me? I love you for who you are. Yeah. And nothing you do is ever going to change that. And this is, <laughs> this is what God does for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 66 awesome. books. Mm-hmm. 66, where God's saying, hey, open up the journal and let me share with you who I think that you are. And my gosh, like I cry about what my daughter says about me. Shouldn't I break into even more when I hear about what God writes about us? I don't know. It's pretty powerful. 
Super yeah. powerful. Emily, what's standing out for you in your in your reading and in this conversation? Where's the yeah. mic drop moments for you so far? Yeah. Well, I think that it's incredible. All of you have this theological training, and so you know even more. But I think the value in reading these things is to see how much God has put into connecting the dots yeah. for all of us. And it shows how perfect God is. And so it was in our week's readings this week when Jesus is tempted and even Jesus told the devil, like the scripture says these things. It was like even Jesus relied on knowing that scripture. Well, then I need to. Like then when I'm facing life, that's what what's going to help me. And so I think that that's what's exciting about this is if you want to know God really well, get to know the Bible really well, and it's going to tell you a good thing. It's going to tell you all those lovely things that God yeah. thinks of you. So there's no bad in that. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. And and you made a really good point right up front, too, that the pastors that will be here in the conversations that we'll have for the next 51 weeks yeah. on this podcast live every Wednesday at noon, we'll be back again next week. We're going to be able to, to point hopefully everybody who tunes into some things that they might miss otherwise yeah. or, or, or color in some parts and connect some dots. But you bring um, a very wise perspective of somebody who isn't an ordained pastor, but mm -hmm. that's 99% of the people reading this. Yeah. And so your, your insight into here's, here's what I'm gaining from this. Here's, here's my experience of this. Here's what's coming. We're, we're going to get a lot of value from hearing about that throughout the next 51 weeks too. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's ultimately, you know, this book, God's word ultimately points us to that relationship, the mm -hmm. relationship that you guys have all spoken about, a relationship that is um, eternal, but a relationship that's with us right now, too. Yeah. And what a gift, what an opportunity. Um, I, I couldn't be more excited about, uh, again, about thinking of thousands of people in this church getting in touch with God's word on a whole new level. Uh, and doing it on a daily basis. Talk mm -hmm. about talk about God hitting us in daily life, uh, and and hearing it from sixty six different books, as you said, Jeremy, and and being reminded to get out of our room, as you said, Amanda, and how important those relationships are um, that we can have with God, and how it can improve and how it can grow. This is going to be a great year. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be the best year ever at Hope, and I think on this podcast too. Yeah going to be incredible. It will. So we will. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. Thank you, Pastor Amanda. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Emily Lang Paul. Thank you. Thanks to yeah. all of you. Uh, I don't know where, there we are who, for tuning in and uh, on this first ever live <laughs> podcast of Pastor Mike Drop. Hopefully we didn't start a new religion or, or, or do anything terrible, you know, along the way. Uh, I'm confident we didn't because we're guided by God's yeah. word uh, every step of the way. And we'll continue to let that guide us and lead us in our conversations uh, next week and in the weeks to follow. So uh, spread the word. Tell your friends. Um, like us on wherever platform you're on, and that'll help spread the word too. Uh, share us on social media. And we'll see you this weekend at worship too, if you're in the area, or you can catch us online at hopeonline.tv. Uh, God loves you. We love you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time.